This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello, and welcome to My Tale to Tell, bringing you life stories from the varied and diverse people who live in Canterbury, New Zealand. All of these stories are read by those who wrote them as part of a Writing Your Memoir workshop, and they have kindly agreed to share them with you. For privacy reasons, some of the names have been changed. Some language may offend, and some content may shock you. But no life is ordinary. We all have a tale to tell. My name is Sandra, and this is my tale to tell. My grandma was quite a character. Her name was Ethel, but she didn't really like it, so she called herself Nita instead. She was married to my grandfather, Walter, for about 15 years before they divorced. She married again at 85, also to a Walter. She told me once that she wouldn't get married again. She'd tried it once, and it was a bad deal. When I rang her to ask her if she was going senile, she said, No, dear, he's a nice man and he lives in a nice place. Definitely not senile then. They were married for about 18 months before she passed away. But this is not the story of Grandma or Walter I or Walter II. Their shared lives are officially captured through their marriages. They are remembered by their descendants and linked to them through their shared DNA. No, this is the story of Peter, the man in Grandma's life between Walter I and Walter II. They were together for at least 20 years until Peter died. Peter van Gelder was a Dutchman who had emigrated from the Netherlands to Australia in the 1950s. He and Grandma lived in a tiny flat close to the centre of Brisbane, Theirs was the front one on the ground floor. You went past their door to the back flat or turned to go up the stairs to the flats on the second floor. They never married and Peter was much younger than Grandma. He was about my mother's age, so it was quite the family scandal. Every year, Grandma had a Christmas party for all her grandchildren. She had a Christmas tree with presents for us all and party food. It was quite crowded in that little area and our celebrations spilled out into the corridor. In the early years, Peter used to sit on the stairs while all this was happening. We sat with him and played while our mothers and grandma had Christmas cake and sherry. As children, we were told he was the man from the flat upstairs. I figured out the score quite quickly They weren't friends in separate flats. They were a couple living together in sin. In my teens, I visited them often. I had a very good relationship with Grandma and a very comfortable and easy relationship with Peter. It was Grandma who told me Peter's story. He came from a little village in the Netherlands. As you know, the Netherlands came under German occupation in World War II. In the area where Peter lived, there had been some sabotage undertaken by the Dutch resistance. Peter told Grandma that the Germans came to his village 
and made all males over 16 line up. They then walked down the line, shooting every fifth man. The rest, including Peter, were shipped off to a concentration camp. He was only 16. During his time in the camp, Peter was sexually abused by the male guards. This probably saved his life, as he was of some use to them. After the war, he returned to the Netherlands and got a job with Philips, the Dutch multinational company based in Eindhoven. He emigrated to Australia during the push for immigrants from Northern Europe in the 1950s and 60s. In Brisbane, he worked for Philips again. Grandma told me once that Philips looked after its workers. Peter was a short, squat, cheerful man with a loud voice and a very thick Dutch accent. He liked the simple things in life. He didn't own a car and he went to work each day on the bus or tram. He liked his grog. Luckily for him, the pub was just up on the corner so he could stagger home after a session with a flagon under his arm. Grandma cooked and kept house. They had a tipple or two together. They argued and they liked watching TV. Grandma told me once that Peter had dreadful nightmares from time to time. Not about his time in the concentration camp, but of standing in line with the Germans walking along, counting to five. Peter died prematurely in his 40s from a heart attack. His doctor told Grandma that it would have been because of the starvation he suffered during the war, wasting away his muscles, including his heart muscle. Peter left no descendants. Because he and Grandma never married, their relationship doesn't officially exist. He's been airbrushed out of our family history, yet he was a part of Grandma's life for much longer than her husband's, Walter I and Walter II combined. When he died around 35 years ago, I promised myself that I would not forget him. I have told my daughter his wartime story and told her that she too must never forget. Peter van Gelder, Rust in Vrida, rest in peace. My name is Jean, and this is my tale to tell. Mood Memories number two, written with a smile. My most embarrassing and possibly bravest moment. The falling slip. The evenings on the ship coming to New Zealand were occasions for the grown-ups, so my sister at 16 and me, aged 12, was somewhat out of place. We sat and listened to the orchestra and sometimes danced with each other, having taken ballroom dancing lessons. On one such occasion, the lining of my party dress started to detach from the waistband. Gradually, the cream violin dropped further down my legs. In desperation, my sister grabbed my arm and we rushed down to our cabin and tore the rest of it off. With much giggling, trying hard not to wake the two young children in the cabin, we got ready for bed. No point in returning to the dance floor that evening. Nearly ten years later, history repeated itself. 
My sister had made me a long orange skirt to wear to a church dance in Palmerston North. It was a significant occasion, as the boy I thought was my first love was my partner, and our dancing was being scrutinised by an elderly friend. The whole evening was a disaster, as we couldn't seem to keep in step. Then it happened. The bright orange underskirt slid to the floor. Fortunately, I was able to quickly bend down, step out of it and scrunch it up in my hand and continue dancing without too much of a break. Thank goodness I didn't have to face those people again for a while. My name is Jean and this is my tale to tell. The kitchen cupboard. Gosh, something smells lovely, my father exclaimed as he opened the front door of our home on our return from church that December morning. It smells like mincemeat. Oh no, my mother groaned. She had by then completed the shuffle dance that was necessary for us all to get through the door and into the tiny hall and was moving through to the kitchen. As was the rest of the house, the kitchen was small, with only one bank of cupboards. Firmly shut when we left, one door was hanging open and the carefully made Christmas fruit mints were splattered all over the inside of the door the shelves and even the nearby wall. Something had gone wrong and one of the jars had blown its top, knocking others over. The sticky mixture of dried fruit and peel, cinnamon, nutmeg and other spices and brown sugar, all soaked in a generous serving of brandy, had escaped. We didn't have many mince pies that year. Dad had to clean up the sticky sweet mess because Mum wasn't tall enough to reach. Fortunately, the other preserves, apples, pears and deep red Victoria plums from our garden were not damaged. Not all Mum's hard work was wasted. My name is Sandra, 
and this is my tale to tell. Moving house. Moving house in your 70s is much like moving countries. So much to say goodbye to, so much to look forward to, and so many mixed emotions. After 35 years in our house, it was our turn to downsize. It was time to leave our old house and beautiful garden, to say goodbye to our mature rhododendron woodland and our native forest, both lovingly created and nurtured by us. Time also to say goodbye to our glass house, extensive vegetable gardens where we practised good rotations to keep the soil healthy, and my Buxus and Lanicera topiary sculptures. And the birds. We'd encouraged both native and introduced birds. Silver eyes and fantails would feed on the caprosma berries, and in the last season I even had a bellbird. In the vegetable area, we had blackbirds, song thrushes, sparrows, starlings and finches, both gold and green, bees and monarch butterflies, both attracted to my friendly flowers. Time also to leave one of my favourite places in the garden, my composting area and the enormous worm bin. I loved my worms. Of course, some things are non-negotiable. My bonsai trees go with me and so do cuttings from my special herbs. Inside the house, it was much the same. 35 years of memories inhabited the house, or more accurately, items that encapsulated those memories. Knick-knacks from places visited, paintings with special significance, a huge photo collection, our massive collection of great courses, videos, classical music and books, so many books, and our furniture, so lovingly chosen to fit us and our house. And then there was the kitchen, remodelled into my own image, a place where bread was baked, jams, preserves and pickles made, krauts fermented and fruit, vegetables and herbs dehydrated, with top-class appliances capable of wielding culinary magic. How to choose what to take? Some things were easy. I wouldn't be parted from my knitting and crochet, though I did agree to reduce my yarn stash. It goes without saying that my husband's geology and steam train books go where he goes, and our family history and genealogy were definitely coming, along with our great courses and classical music collections. They even have their own bookcases. Over many cups of coffee, we talked about the future, until a vision of what our new life might be like started to unfold. Some things we would continue doing, or even do more of, some we would stop doing, and some we would do less of. This unleashed a frenzy of activity. Visits to the Salvation Army and charity bookshops, a foray into Trade Me, and as a last resort, the dump. Like most people our age, we were reluctant to put a price on our memories and instead preferred to donate our possessions to those who might use them. What was most difficult was working out what to take for those things we would do less of. How to cut down on my bread and preserves equipment. The new kitchen, after all, was much smaller. How many books would come with us? How many bookcases could we fit into our new house? The day came, the removal truck turned up, and off we went, with our much slimmed down possessions to our new house. That was one year ago.
So how did it all work out? Superbly. I discovered that memories don't have to be embedded in objects. I can experience them directly. I can still remember our lovely time in Amsterdam without looking at the little model houses. Botswana, Peru, the US, Samoa, Fiji, PNG, Malaysia, Vietnam, Italy, England, Scotland, Sweden, Norway and Denmark, they're all still there. At first, I suffered quite severe culture shock in the kitchen. The appliances were nowhere near up to my standard, but a new hob, range hood, oven and dishwasher fixed that. My new oven is amazing. It has functions for slow cooking, dehydrating, preserving and proofing and cooking bread. What more could you ask for? The bonsai love their new home. A new herb garden has been installed and the potted lemon and lime, which made the journey with us, sit right outside the kitchen window. I can reach out and pick a lemon whenever I want. The tiny garden was a mess, but we've put our mark on it. We've replanted the lawns and put in little shrubs and hebes. We've even had a blackbird take up residence. I've crocheted blankets for the bedroom. Our best paintings are on the walls and our long-held routines and rituals continue. We watch our Great Courses video, listen to our music, go to Tai Chi or Keep Fit, research our family history and genealogy, do lots of walking, and keep up with our various retirement groups. We have more time to visit our family and friends, have our grandkids come to stay, and go on holiday. Yes, it was a great move. is produced by me, Stephanie Fruin, and engineered by Peter Rattray at Plains FM Christchurch. The theme tune was composed by Louise Ayling and performed by Louise Ayling, Peter Royal and Stephanie Fruin. If you'd like to take part in My Tale to Tell, contact mytaletotellnz at gmail.com. No life is ordinary. We all have a tale to tell. Memories of us.